I can see you out there, Kevin. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports, our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. All right, Kellen Olsen is here. All our guests have their own intros now. This is... I like this. This is a little menace to a killer. Uh, K.O., how are you doing this week? First word I always think of with me, menace. I'm very <laughs> menacing. <laughs> I think everyone sees you. That's a menacing guy the, I see the, walking down the street you right are, You are one of the best dudes ever, man. Thank How's you. How's it going? Coming. Are you are you fired up right now? Do you love December? The holiday season is upon us. Merry Christmas. Are you ready? I feel hungover. I don't drink, but okay. I, I assume this feels like what this being hungover is. <laughs> Yeah, that was a lot last night. That was a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the good news for all of us is the replay is about to start on one of the TVs in here. So we can watch the first half. Obviously, the game wasn't decided in the first half. Oh, wait. Yeah, it was. Um, Kellen, before we get into the game last night, I've been wanting to ask you this for a couple of days. Specifically, the Mavericks. Have they figured something out with the Suns? Because those games look so different than any other games the Suns play last night, notwithstanding. Because last night just felt like they couldn't hit a shot and Boston's really good. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I wrote it in the recap on Monday on ArizonaSports.com that Luka has a way of kind of scrambling their brains defensively. The the stuff with the shooter in the weak side corner just kept happening over and over again. It happened for Booker a couple of times, in fact, where Tim Hardaway Jr., Jordan Finney-Smith, they were just sitting there with an acre of space. I think we saw that in the playoffs series last year where it felt like there was too much space, way too much space inside, and then we would go to the next game, and now there's way too much space outside, like on the shooters. And they just couldn't figure out the way to best divide and conquer what Luka does as a scorer, as a playmaker, and as, as a driver. Like, dividing those up like 30-30-40 and kind of just taking your losses where you can and trying to maximize the impact you could do defensively elsewhere. But I think specifically with him, they just... Look, he's he, there is no good way to defend him for any team, but the Suns specifically really struggle within what they do in their schemes. They really struggle against him specifically more than... I think he's been the toughest cover for them over anyone else in the league since Monty got here. So... What did you see last night about um, the game, and where does your mind go when you think of the game? Yeah, it, w- it was hard not to. I was in the same seat for Game 7 against Dallas, and just the back-to-back blowouts, especially with the blowout, to, and, and blowout even feels like a light word for what happened. Like They were embarrassed last night. They right. were embarrassed in Dallas. I think, to be honest, yes, this was against Boston. It was this huge marquee matchup, best in the East, best versus the West, on ESPN bigger stage, but Dallas was, Monday was more embarrassing probably just because of the residual emotional effects that were there, like it didn't just, the, the, they didn't snap their fingers and get over it after the season opener by any means, they were going back to Dallas where since the last time they were there, they got smoked in game six, so it was hard not to feel the similarities there, and it just really felt similar in, in a lot of different ways, but I, I think it's the game just spiraled really quickly but the surprising part was, I, I think the Suns missed nine Nine of their first 10 shots that were outside the paint, a couple of them were good looks, and then they just let it get to them, and they never let missed shots or turnovers or blown assignments here and there get to them, but it hmm. got to them. I 
talk ad nauseum about how Devin Booker plays in rhythm, plays in flow, never forces it. That's what opposing coaches, Monty himself, always say about him. One of the first things they say is he always plays within the rhythm of the offense. He got out of it last night. I rarely ever see him play like that over the hundreds of games I've seen him play. And then it was interesting to see kind of the reactions come in and listening to your guys' show, listening to Bickley and Murata this morning, and then going to listen to Burns and Gamble after this, and just how these two losses have kind of opened the floodgates and allowed everyone an opportunity to voice what have been their biggest concerns about the team as a whole. To me, it's just two horrible games that they played. Mm-hmm. And look, did they lose that game because they don't have another score? Did they lose that game because of the way DeAndre Ayton was playing without force? Did they lose that game because of the way Devin Booker couldn't find his rhythm? Did they lose that game because Devin Booker didn't have any help? Like, sure. All of that is parts of it. But at the same time, everyone has kind of been voicing their own concerns about the team as a whole. And it just kind of speaks to how, where we're at with the team, despite them being 16 and 9, that there are concerns about the team that haven't really gone away. And this was like, they rolled out, we, they rolled out the red carpet for everyone to really examine this team where they're at 25 games in and look at some of the concerns. Yeah, I was talking to Kellen Olsen because I, I will say for me, you know, I kind of thought they had put the end of last season behind them until this week. And and just because these two games, especially the one on Monday, looked so much like the end of last season, it's kind of what you just said right there, where they don't let missed shots get to them. And yet now, what is that? Four of their last 27 games, if you want to go back to last year, they've missed some shots and they look like they're just like, all right, I guess we'll get them tomorrow. Did something change? Or I guess maybe the more important question in your mind, Kellen, does anything need to change going forward other than don't fall behind by 45? Yeah, they can't flush it. Uh, That's what Devin Booker kind of said. We just got to flush this one. But at the same time, when he said that, he also later remarked, we got to look ourselves in the mirror. So that's not flushing it. Mm -hmm. That's kind of two opposite mindsets. But I wrote last night, you have to do both. You have to flush it, but at the same time, have self-reflection and realize that that kind of thing can't happen again. And look, if a stage like that, and especially with the way everyone is talking, you can imagine how the league is talking about this team right now with how we're talking about them. Just imagine behind closed doors, executives, coaches, players, how they're talking about the Suns. Like I I had one of the quotes from my story uh, retweeted by Matt Moore, who does an excellent job covering the league nationally. And it was the Chris Paul quote where he said the Celtics reminded uh, me a lot of us last year, just how hungry they are after a finals loss, well-oiled machine. And a bunch of Celtics fans were fans Replied and said, "Like, don't compare us to those frauds." Oh, and, and that's wow. that's how they are Twitter. viewed in a lot of different circles. Now, some random Celtics fan is different than the GM of the Raptors, for example. But I'm saying they've got this reputation right now, and it's just it's just on them to to correct it because everything smelled pretty good two games ago. Like, it smelled pretty fine, but. No matter how much they showered and tried to get that stink off from Game 7, it wasn't going to go away. And now we're all just kind of smelling it again, I guess, to end my weird metaphor there about body odor. You know makes sense, I, I love it, though, Killer. I really do right Thanks. there. On that note, what do you think James Jones smells? What do you think he thinks I think when the same, he watches I think the same this? thing. You, you guys because both, it's not just the last two games, correct. right? No, he's he's not going to overreact to two games. If they do a trade today or tomorrow, it's not going to be because of these two games. Right. already going Right, it's yeah. just going to be because the timing worked out, or if we see one in a week, let's say they lose five in a row. It's not going to be because of that. It's going to be because the trade worked out at this time. I think that the front office and James specifically have always been aware of what needed to be fixed on the roster and, and what they needed to, 
add. I don't think they're completely naive to it, but it's just the execution and the urgency doesn't align, I guess, if that makes sense. I think that rightfully so, a lot of the fan base is like, why aren't we doing anything? Why are we sitting here after last offseason? Why didn't we do anything? Why didn't we add another score, another ball handler, another threat, another shooter, things like that? And and they're just patient. He's just a really patient guy. And I asked him about it when he was available uh, last week after um, his, his promotion to president of basketball operations. And he just kind of echoed the same thing where it's just like you got to view it as a, as a whole thing. You can't just view it in these tiny little blocks and you can't just let like moments yeah. allow you to overreact. And he's just a calm, level-headed guy. And it, it's clearly rubbed some of the fan base the wrong way because every time I look at my mentions, it's someone getting fired. It's him. It's Monty. It's Devin we're Booker. We're really it's there. We're really getting Oh, there. yeah. Oh, Come we're on. there. Sons? Yeah, we're there. Oh, man. All right. Okay. Uh, not, not the overwhelming majority, I'm saying, but just some people are finding themselves there. And I guess I have a large enough audience now where I welcome anyone to have those kinds of takes, unfortunately, for me. But well, That's good. You get a cross-section of the Yeah, I mean, he's, he's remaining patient. They'll get it. If they don't, they're going to they're gonna trade Jay Crowder. They're going to make a move that moves the needle. But I think the question, Wolf, is how substantially it moves the needle. And after this week, you're hoping it moves it quite a bit. Kellen, great stuff as always, man. Look for sure. Kellen's stuff on uh, ArizonaSports.com, of course. Thank you, man. Thanks, guys. That's uh, Kellen Olson joining us right there all week this week. Listen for the Pantera call-out. Once you hear Wolf do the call-out, call 602-260-9870. You'll win tickets to see Metallica with Pantera at State Farm Stadium on September 1st. We come back. Five games left for the Cardinals. How do those five games determine what next year's team will look like? We'll explain that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, if we weren't so lazy, I guess one of us could go find the remote and change the TV in here. We'll fish, fish we have to change it, seriously, because I don't want to relive the Sun Celtics all over oh, again. We got actually good news. The TV just froze as we were talking. Look at this. Seriously. Knock it off. It, it, is <laughs> it just it froze. We got four TVs in the studio. It had glitched out. This is amazing. The we TV. went black. We faded to black oh, right bad. there. All right, never mind. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because it froze with the Suns up 10-9. They're showing the replay right now. So we're like, all right, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, the Suns won this game last night over the Celtics 10-9. However, it has unfrozen, and I feel like this game may change now in the uh, the next what, there's six minutes left in the first quarter, plus three other quarters. Let's go to football. Well, five games left this season for the Cardinals. Breaking news right there. Sure. Um, it's not just a, hey, I hope they try hard for these final five games, and oh, okay, here's an audition for so-and-so. In some ways, doesn't this shape who's on the roster next year? I mean, this is not the position you wanted to be in, but they really didn't. By their own choice, have a preseason. I don't know if they're going to have a preseason next year. They don't play any of their players in these games. So some of these guys that you don't know if they're going to be back next year or not, you're going to find out a lot about over the next month. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Um, it was interesting because we had this conversation last week and we were talking about the fact that there's going to be two types of veterans, those that want to stay here and be here next year and those that do not. And yet, at the same time, both veteran that I just described are going to ball out in these last five games. It's it's this window, first of all. You've got this five-game window that you can look at and you can say, man, okay, 
This has been a horrible season. This has been awful. But we got five weeks left. And whether you want to be with the Arizona Cardinals next year or go somewhere else next year, two types of veterans, guess which is the best way to do that? ball out over these next five games. So you can use that tape, you can impress other teams, and use that tape if you become a free agent, of course, and suddenly you might have the opportunity to go play somewhere else. Or if you can actually use that tape and start campaigning in the building, as well as outside of the building, on the field, to actually come back next year. Either way, man, I think we're going to see the Arizona Cardinals best as the roster is constructed currently. I think we're going to get great effort. Well, I, I mean, I hope you're right, certainly. The the game against the Chargers, it's not like they were really in the playoff hunt going into that game, and they gave great effort for three quarters, and then things just fell apart. I mean, even the defense played well in the fourth quarter until the last no, they, drive. They, they, the effort was there, man. There's no doubt. So I, I am, I'm with you that I think we're going to see that effort again. I, I, I mean, I hope, I guess. I guess I, I can't guarantee that. Anything could happen on Monday Night Football against the Patriots. I do think right now the Patriots are the more desperate team. They have, they've got a good defense. Not like their offense is anything amazing, but, you know, bigger picture, these final five games, to your point, you're going to see guys that want to be here next year, you know, really trying to establish that. And you're going to see guys that probably want to play somewhere else being like, hey, look, over here, by the way, I'm a free yeah. agent this offseason. Um, you're you're going to have to have that. And you, you're not, you know, you're an NFL player. You're not guaranteed any games, right? And you've got five games here coming up. You may as well make the most of them and see what you can you can get going forward. Because I just keep coming back to the same thought, and it's the most simple thought, but it's also it's the reality with the Arizona Cardinals. Something has to change. Things have to change. Things will change this off season. So. I know every Cardinals fan has a different opinion of what that should be. Oh, it's got to be this. Oh, you got to move the, the, the coach. You got to move the GM. You got to bring in Sean Payton. You got to bring in Jim Harbaugh. It's all out there. It might just be players changing. Either way, stuff is going to change. There's just, there's no way they're going to go into next season and be like, yeah, we went six and 11 last year and let's do it again. Yeah. Stuff's going to change. So if I'm a player, I want to make sure that. I'm putting myself in the best position for the best possible change, or I want to be here next year. Yeah, you know, I just have to wonder what's going to happen, especially from an offensive perspective right now over the next five games. Do you go ahead and say, you know what we're going to do? Um, we're going to evolve. We're going to evolve this offense. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go into the lab, and we're going to experiment, metaphorically speaking. We're going to evolve this offense. It's going to look different. We will take Kyler Murray and stick him under center more. We will go ahead and run more of a north-south attack the line of scrimmage and use play action. We're going to blend a lot of that in. We're going to do that in these next five games because we have to do that. I'm very interested to see if that is an option for the Arizona Cardinals or if they double down. They double down on the offense they already have and the belief that, you know what, D-Hop and Hollywood Brown working together once again, that was the main tenant of this offense and one of the reasons why we felt so confident in this offense going into the season. Will they double down on that and say that's how we're going to finish? I'm fascinated to see what happens. 
That's an interesting thought because if you want them to change, then are you sitting here watching like, eh, like I don't want Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins to be just good enough where you don't change anything. Like I want those guys back next year. I want that duo plus Rondale Moore plus Zach Ertz. That shouldn't be that much to ask. We'll get you an update on Zach Ertz in a little bit here, but it, the fact that we have never seen this offense together this season, again, it's tough to evaluate what you do going forward. I don't know, like, if the season was just over right now, if, if, if okay, the playoffs are starting, the Cardinals are out. If you're this front office, how are you evaluating this team for next year? I think you have such an incomplete... Um, you just don't have all the variables. You don't, you don't have all the information. You better get the information out of these next five weeks. That's why these next five weeks, in addition to Kyler Murray, which we keep saying and involving him, because if you don't do that, then none of it matters anyway. But these next five weeks are you better figure out what you have that you truly trust for next season and what you, what you need to get rid of, what you need to change, because yeah. you have too much talent and too much invested in your quarterback specifically it's unacceptable to do this again next year. Yeah, no, yeah. and your fans aren't going to stand for it. Yeah, I know you're you're right about that. Um, can I also say this right here? I wonder what that means for Zach Allen. I wonder what that means for Byron Murphy. I, I wonder what it means for them. Here they are; they're both four year guys, and you could extend these guys, right? Will that possibly happen? Um, is that a possibility? Kind of the Jalen Thompsons situation, right? Will that happen? I don't know, Luke, but I will tell you, those two guys are guys that I want back. I don't know about you, but I want those two guys back. Yeah. And I wonder how Steve Kime and the Cardinals feel about that. You, you have to bring Byron Murphy back. And Zach Allen has been, you know, I don't know if we're going to do this later or after the season or whatever, but you know, it if we sat here and did a segment, okay, what have the bright spots been for the Cardinals this season? There aren't many. But Zach Allen's probably one of them. Right? I mean, that's a guy that Agreed. that is doing what you hoped he would do when you drafted him. So those two players you just rattled off in particular, to me, are part of the solution going forward. You know, how big of a part can they be? But they're still both parts of the solution. You know, I, I think about it right now. The the year that they've had, Byron Murphy was having an excellent year before he got hurt. Yeah, Zach Allen has just had an excellent season overall. And thinking of the year that they had, man, can you imagine from their perspective what they're thinking? <laughs> They're like, listen, I, they, I I know for a fact Zach Allen wants to be here. I know for a fact Byron Murphy wants to be here. But again, are are they going to accept any offer? The Arizona Cardinals would be no, no. They're they're going to play that free agent card if in fact they're given that opportunity to do that. And when you think about that, man, can you imagine from their perspective, Zach Allen's like, man, this is ball out time like I've never balled out. He's got four and a half sacks right now, 45 tackles on the season, which is excellent for a defensive lineman. He's played really, really well. Byron Murphy as well when he's been given the opportunity. Byron Murphy, when he's been given the opportunity to play, he's performed well. Um there's got to be a piece of them 
that really want to hit the open market, right? Like, they've got to be thinking, man, how cool would that be to actually hit the open market as a free agent? Especially as a corner that was looking like a borderline shutdown corner at times, like Byron Murphy. Those guys, you can't put a price on them. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. The Suns didn't get much out of their stars last night, and now they got two games against the suddenly Western Conference leading New Orleans Pelicans this weekend. So what's your level of concern? We'll get into it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Man, turn this on. Man, you know what? Honestly, that is a little tunnel time music right there, my young crunk brothers. You want to get ready to go out and ball out with the eye black smeared all over your face? <laughs> go ahead and put this song on. Get a little jacked up. Go out there. And then hit somebody, please. Don't listen to it and go out there and think about things. Just hit somebody. I'm getting a little nervous, Wolf. I'm watching this replay of the Suns-Celtics game last night. I don't know if you if you, if you happen to catch that one. Um, you know, it's uh, they're they're all of a sudden down by ten going into the uh, the end of the first quarter. Yeah, I'm sure they'll come back, right? Stop it. Yeah, well, it's, we I mean, all it's, know it's there. That didn't happen. It did not. Here's Devin Booker after the game uh, last night. How they respond to now two bad losses in a row. I mean, today makes two in a row, so. You know, it's just a it's a different energy. Um, you know, we understand we have to fix some and we have to handle business. So, um, you know, we have a long flight to New Orleans tomorrow. Um, we have time to regroup and think about it. And, you know, it feels like that game should count for two losses. But, you know, good thing it's only still one. But, you know, I feel like we're at the meat of our schedule. We have some pretty good matchups still coming up. And, you know, we have to be ready to go. Yeah, look, they'll... I believe they will get it fixed, but there's something to get fixed. You know what I mean? A year ago at this time, there really wasn't. Remember, we were like looking. Remember, Devin Booker last year was like, I feel like a broken record. I'm just up here every night talking about a win. And, and you know, it was, it was okay. Is there anything the Suns need to address at the trade deadline? It was like maybe add some more rebounding. This year, there's something that needs to be fixed. What I, is that? What do you think it is? What do you think it is when you I sit there and I, well, okay, what? Well, I, I okay, look, you got to get something for Jay Crowder. You will, but you got to get something for him. Uh, see, I think it's one thing. You think it's physicality? Yes, uh, yes, I That's do. That's definitely part of it. That's what I think it is. And when you mention Jay Crowder, you know, the first thing I think of, Jay Crowder was a physical, a physical dude, was guy, he not? Yeah. Oh, my Jay goodness. McGee was physical Look, too. there's Jay Crowder, and he's sitting over there. Yeah. <laughs> he's not actually sitting he's, on the bench. He's not, he's not actually he's walking around the, the footprint center. He's not walking around there. He's not walking around the, the Suns facility. They're practicing. No, he's not doing that. He's sitting at home. I'd like to see that resiliency, too, because it was a part of this team's identity. I would say you talk about culture, 
I would say it was the Suns' culture. You know, the year ago, get through the, the season, you win 64 games. Part of their culture was, yeah, this team looks like they're all on the same page. But part of it was, if you put, if you got ahead of the Suns by eight, yeah. well, they would just come back and win. Yeah. How many times last year were they losing with five minutes left and they came back and won a game? Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm going to throw that into the category of it's the same thing. You're saying the same That's thing. Fine. Physicality, because once again, I don't know too many physical dudes base and audience that aren't resilient. Does that make sense? That aren't like, hey, you know what? If you're going to engage in the physicality of a sport, whatever that may be, on the ice or on the court or on the field, if you're going to engage in being a physical dude and how you go about your business, you better be tough. You better because it's going to hurt. And you've got to be resilient enough to overcome. So, again, I will tell you, I think it's the same thing. Physicality. It comes down to the physicality. They have to fix the lack of physicality that they have on this team right now. And I could be dead wrong on that, but I'm not coming off it. Uh, I don't think anybody that watched the team last year and then, you know, the way last season ended and a game like last night this year would, would disagree with you. I don't think the Suns, I don't think Monty Williams would disagree with you. They did get Chris Paul back last night, and that's good because they've got New Orleans tomorrow and New Orleans Sunday. And by the way, New Orleans now leads the Western Conference. Devin Booker uh, talking about how the team has dealt with injuries this season. Uh, it's just part of it. You know, you got to look around the NBA, look at the history of the NBA, and it, it happens, you know, so we go into the season with the mindset of, you know, we just have to control what we can control and, you know, make the best out of every opportunity, but, you know, having the two guys back today, Chris and Toria, you know, that's a plus and that's a step in the right direction. Now, Chris Paul talked about coming back, but then the team not playing well. It's hard, you know, it's hard, you know, the team been playing, fighting and competing to thrust me back in after a month and T. Craig and missed a few games, you know, I mean, ain't no excuses, but, you know, the thing is not the playoffs yet. We fly out to New Orleans tomorrow try to keep getting the same rank. That might be the most astute quote of anything I've heard. Good thing it's not the playoffs yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You know what? CP3 just summed up all of our feelings watching that game. Yeah, good thing it's not the playoffs yet where you're going to have to be physical. It's a good yeah. thing it isn't. You know, and, and this is interesting because we Willie Green has done such a great job. New Orleans not so done, just dangerous. He's done a great job with the Pelicans, of course. Now you're talking about the number one team in the Western Conference, and they're going to go play not one, but two games against them. Yeah. With the situation being what it is right now, does anyone see any? Is it the the irony of all of that is interesting to me. You know my feelings on New Orleans since the start of the year. I've said there's three teams that could come out of the West: the Warriors, the Suns, the Pelicans. Those are the three teams. To you me. did, yes, you did. And I don't know that this. Maybe it is. Maybe it is the best team for the Suns to be playing right now. Let's go up against not the team. once but twice. Friday night and Sunday after afternoon, but what you just said, Willie Green knows how to work the Suns, so I don't know that that's the best team. Okay, so when you think of playing the Pelicans in the postseason, the way the Suns did, when you think of that, um, remember how physical they were. 
Yeah. Yeah. They, the Suns got yeah. over that. They fought through it, and they looked like they were done Exactly. Afterwards. But remember how physical they were. Do you think that was an accident? That was not an accident. That was Willie Green knowing exactly what he thought they needed to be in order to beat the Suns. Any, anything you think watching the Suns where you're like, okay, this is a weakness, this is something that, you know, that anytime I see this happen, like you were talking about DA before putting the, the ball down after he gets a rebound, anything that anybody watching the Suns is like, okay, they got to, Willie Green knows about it. And he's going to do everything he can to exploit it over the next two games. So maybe this is something that the Suns need after these last two games. I don't know. I think what the Suns need are a couple wins. I tend to believe they'll probably split with New Orleans over this weekend. But um, this is a weird time for this team because you are absolutely still a title contender. But you've looked like one of the worst teams in basketball yeah. this week. That's... Teams have bad games. I know it got brought up, I think, on the morning show. You know, Golden State last year in the playoffs. Remember, they got smoked by Memphis in a playoff game and then proceeded to come back and win the title. But everybody isn't Golden State either, you know? Like, you can't just flip the switch. You got you to gotta get on it. Devin, I, I like what I'm hearing from Devin Booker, as usual. He's acknowledging, hey, this isn't right. Stuff's got to get fixed. Yeah. But he's not panicking. Yeah, at least Jose Alvarado is day-to-day, just so you know. I always forget about Jose Alvarado until you bring him up. Remember how physical he was. Yeah. Uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, are heading to State Farm Stadium May 14th with the Strokes. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair of tickets now by heading to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. When we come back, back to football and a little bit of an update on Zach Ertz from Zach Ertz. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. If you're looking for a Zach Ertz update on your Thursday, then I'm assuming you were. Well, if we have one from Zach Ertz, okay? Okay, right from Zach Ertz himself. From Zach Ertz himself, okay, speaking cool. within the last hour, talking about the injury, because obviously we haven't seen him since he got hurt. Uh, he's not going to play again this season, so now what do we think in big picture? Yeah, it was uh, ACL, MCL. Um, we didn't know exactly. We didn't think the ACL was involved early on. And then it just, it was partially torn and it wouldn't have lasted uh, long term. So we had to go in and get both done. And I'm glad it's behind me now. I would, I would have hated to, hey, let's see if it can hold up long term. And then we regret that decision in the year. So now once, once I get fully healthy and ready to go, I'll be back to myself. Wow. That's oh, wow. some news right there, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that was an ACL as well. ACL, MCL. ACL, MCL. Okay, the ACL is, of course, used to be very, very serious for a professional football player to tear his ACL. That used to be the the kiss of you-know-what for the most part. Um, that's not good. But it isn't like that anymore. No. It isn't. You can overcome that, come back, and it be close to 100%. Now, the ACL, of course, that Max Williams actually tore 
was much much worse than just his ACL as well. He needed total reconstruction. Yeah, not not good luck at the uh, tight end position as far as injuries for the Cardinals. And so when you're talking about Zach Ertz, the conversation is is obviously about next year. I mean, obviously the goal is next year, week one. So he said that, and they asked if he'll be back for camp. I, I, I mean, I'll have to practice before I can play. So obviously I want to be out there in training camp, um, but I also want to feel like myself. Um, I've come back from an ankle injury where I didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel like I was putting the team in the best situation in hindsight. So I don't want to make that mistake again. But my goal, and I think it's a reasonable goal and an attainable goal, is to be back for week one. All right, we're only seven and a half short months away from uh, training camp. Well, so that's no. exciting. Okay, great. <laughs> Um, look, I mean, it's obviously way too far too far out to know if he's going to be back. But just the fact that that is a conversation and a possibility is at least a good sign for Zach Ertz. No, it's great um, that he's got a clear path uh, that he wants to follow. At least he's got a plan. He's got some clarity, some resolution as well. And I am never going to look at Zach Ertz and think he's not going to be able to do something because he was... Uh, I think the most diligent player for the Arizona Cardinals when it comes to last offseason and how he trained last offseason. He put all the work in and his body was in the best shape um, he's ever been in coming into this season. That's why it's disappointing you got hurt. Yeah, he was their leading receiver for a while when they didn't have Hopkins and Hollywood Brown was good but then hurt and Rondale Moore was hurt and then good. And just, he was he was the consistent piece of this offense for a while there until he ultimately got hurt. Um, Vance Joseph also spoke today looking ahead to Monday's game against the Patriots and he talked about Ramondre Stevenson. He is special, guys. I mean, this guy has got 56 receptions and I mean 145 carries. I mean, he's a load. He's a big back who plays first, second, third down. You know, he can catch the ball out of backfield. He can make big plays. He runs through arm tackles. He's a tough tackle. So the offense definitely goes through him. Uh, Meyer, 16, has been a guy that's been heavily targeted. You know, uh, they got General Smith, Hunter Henry. They've got Aguilar. They've got Parker. They've got plenty of weapons on the offense, you know, and um, so it's it, it's scary when you watch the group because they have so much talent around Mack, and Mack's a good young quarterback. I mean, he can process information quickly the balls out of his hands quickly. He's very, very smart. So, you know, you're just kind of waiting for it, you know, for it to explode because they have so much talent on offense. But it, it, it's it's been, you know, runs, quick game, and it's been more screen. So hopefully it don't change that much on uh, Monday for us. Man, you know what Ramondre Stevenson. I just watch this guy play, and you, you watch him on tape, and he's a scary proposition. He truly is. And running the football in between the tackles is something that I think I think the New England Patriots are going to specialize in coming up on Monday night. We'll have to wait, and we'll have to see, and we'll have to see how they try to do that, whether it's out of the shotgun or if they're going to take Mac Jones and stick him under center more. It is a little surprising to me that they don't put Mac Jones, at least over the last few games, they don't put him under center as much as I thought that they would. Um, Being the type of quarterback that I think really benefits from him being under center a lot with the play action that comes with it, running the tackle zone, running in a north-south, the play action that he can actually use to throw the ball. He reminds me so much of Tom Brady in that regard. Um, 
he's got a little bit better movement than Tom Brady does, but he still is one of these guys that um, really needs to be in that kind of offense. Are you implying Tom Brady is not the most mobile quarterback yeah, in the NFL? Yeah, boy, it's hard to watch him run, isn't it? <laughs> the only one worse than that is Matt Ryan. Oh, yeah. When wow. Matt Ryan runs, it feels Watching like... mad run. You know how sometimes they, they talk about when you're in the zone and like everything else slows down and you just keep moving at the same speed? Maybe you move faster? Yeah. Matt Ryan's the exact opposite when you watch him run. He slows down and everything around him moves faster. Yes. Like the harder, he's like one of those cartoons where as he runs, he doesn't move. He just runs harder and harder and doesn't move. It looks like everything is going to... Burst into a million pieces on his next stride. If he just puts that next foot down, that everything's going to implode or explode, I should say. How many different analogies can we come up with for uh, Matt Ryan running? Very hard to see it. He runs flat-footed as well. Not to pile on, but he runs flat-footed like he's got no arches whatsoever. Not, not to pile on, but but you will. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Here's one more from Vance Joseph. Talking about the the. D- Defense, how some guys are having really good seasons. Defense has been pretty good, but it's also been kind of up and down. I'm not sure. You know, it's been it's been games where it's been pretty good, and it's been about five or six plays of bad football. You know, I think where we are as a team, you know, defensively, you know, we've had a chance to make plays to turn games, and we hadn't made those plays all the time. You know, when we've made them, we've helped our team win, and you know, the games we've lost, we've had chances to, you know, to help us win. Even even last week, you know, we had an interception that they called back that we should have caught clean. We had a punch-out fumble that we assume we picked up, right? They gave it back to him. And we had a chance to make a play in the fourth quarter on the quarterback that we didn't catch. Had to bring up those two. I'm just saying, you knew exactly where I was going with that one right there. Just bringing that up once again and thinking about that. Two, not one, but two turnovers overturned. Man. Two turnovers that... Not to nitpick something now from almost two weeks ago, but my understanding <laughs> is like, yeah, you might look at the, at the at the the fumble, let's say, and be like, yeah, that's probably like that. Maybe maybe that was the Chargers, like fifty five forty. It's got to be a hundred nothing for you to overturn it. Yes. It's got to be a hundred percent zero percent for you to overturn Correct. it. I know. Not like oh, I'm going to connect some dots and draw some conclusions. No, actually, it's got to be like undeniable if you're going to overturn it twice yes. in the same game. Let's right. pick that scab all over again. No, let's just leave and let's leave this basketball game on for Burns and Gamble oh, when they come in here. Okay. Thanks, Darren Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass. Thanks to Lorenzo Alexander for joining us for the lowdown for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gamble next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Peace and strength.